This morning on the third hour of today, movie magic in our series, The Upside. Thousands and thousands of films are never seen. How one filmmaker is trying to change that by making big screen dreams come true. Plus, a celebration of hip hop. This whole thing just spread like an incredible musical virus around the whole planet. 50 years later, the legendary Grandmaster Flash taking us back to where it all began with a first look at a stunning musical museum. Then this morning's Try This Today is in the bag. See what happened when Dylan channeled her inner fashion designer. And we're bringing the meat in today's food. How to use your grill to make a full pot roast dinner. Today, the 4th of July, Tuesday, 2023. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the third hour of today. Happy July Happy 4th. Happy 4th of July. Craig is celebrating early, but we are still here We're holding here. down yes. the fort. Favorite part of the July 4th? Ooh. Hmm. I wish, I, I love fireworks. I uh, wish they were earlier. Like, uh, we need, like, daytime fireworks. Because <laughs> waiting until 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night just ruins the whole thing. I'm waking the kids up out of bed. They're miserable. It's too loud. The dogs are it. all scared. It's just the exactly. whole thing. How about you? Uh, for me, it's the camaraderie of it all. We mm-hmm. always throw a party. We always have people over. We're always up too late. My husband does the fireworks every year. And every year it gets bigger. It might, we might as well just go to an arena. Um, but it's really fun. What about you? Uh, you know, I, I just like, I like family around, you know, just hanging out. And on our lake, somebody usually on the, their dock does, mm-hmm. some, you know, some fireworks, you know. Yeah. You know, we, we, we got this pontoon boat a few years ago, and so we actually float out onto the lake. During the fireworks? During the fireworks. Oh, watch. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a, a celebration. Yeah. You know, I mean, so many times you have a day off, and it's a, a day of remembrance. It's or true. You know, this is a, a true celebration. I love that. And, and our town does sure. this thing where they, they do a reading of the Declaration of Independence and, wow. and have a shortbread, like, like a short, uh, strawberry shortcake mm, and blueberry uh, breakfast. Mm. So it's kind of fun. I love that. Hey, by the way, if you're going to be staying home tonight, don't forget, you can catch Macy's 4th of July fireworks tonight at 8 right here on NBC. Rutledge Wood and Zuri Hall going to host the extravaganza and so many performances. Ashante, uh, BB Rexa, Ja Rule, LL Cool J uh, featuring DJ Z Trip and okay. The Roots Ooh. set to perform to our live event airing at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC and streams on Peacock. I love it. We love to watch those and then we go out and do our own and it's just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. So a lot of people traveling yep. as, as we hit summer. Uh, so here's the interesting thing. When you're on a plane, mm-hmm. what's the favorite thing that you like to order? Or, you know, like if they, they're bringing the snacks around. Or I was going to say a wine. Cranberry vodka. But yeah, I'm like, we drink on planes. <laughs> you mean food-wise? Food we both are like, yeah. uh. um, Do they serve food on planes? <laughs> sun chips. Yeah. Sun chips. Okay. The cheddar sun chips. I do like the popcorners, but they always have the kettle corn popcorners. <laughs> I don't like those. I want oh, and those salt. chocolate. Sorry, we fly like every day. Don't get us started. <laughs> we'll text and be like, oh, my God, did you have the dinner yesterday? The other day I said, <laughs> I had the, 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 uh, this nasty dessert. It was like I cut it open. It was fudgy and like the strawberries are poured out the middle. And I didn't mm. tell people where I went, what restaurant, whatever. Carson goes, were you on a flight from? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like the fact that he recognized. And it wasn't good. That sounds delicious. It sounds like you're going to L.A. Okay. Uh, so airline employees revealed to the Huffington Post what food and drink items to avoid on paint. Oh. Bottled water, fine. 
Tap okay. water, depending I would on want tap water on a plane. Well, but think tea. about it. If you have tea yeah. or coffee, they don't use yeah. They don't use bottled water to make it. No, no. Then where's that water coming from? I feel it's like coming it's out of the plane. They recycle it from the bathroom. That's coming. Uh, I'm just kidding. They do not do <laughs> I'm that. Kidding, I'm kidding. See, that's, I know. That? I'm totally that's what kidding. I imagine is happening. No, it's like a filtered. What system. airline are you flying? <laughs> wow. The discount. Uh, they, they also uh, bad news for you guys. Avoid alcohol. Uh, because well, that's they, just, I mean, health-wise on a plane, they say avoid alcohol, but I okay. actually, well, what I, do they know? I truly <laughs> enjoy, like, when they give you the cranberry and then they give you the little bottle of vodka, or, you know, when it's the, it's the Mrs. T's, have, the one in a can mix, which just tastes better on a plane. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I enjoy that moment. All right. It's the moment. The Don't Mrs. take T's her moment. Or the, the stuff that you pour into the Mrs. T's. All of it. <laughs> they <laughs> give you all of them separately and you make your own little concoction. They're like, you want a double? What are yes, you making? <laughs> making Long Island iced tea. All right. Funny. So now that you've landed and you've gotten to the beach, <laughs> yeah, we uh, the beach. what do you like to bring to the beach with you? Oh, that's a good one. Sandwich-wise? Food-wise. Putting me on the spot with all these questions. But you're so um, prepared. I actually like a peanut butter and jelly on the beach. If I was to pack a lunch because it oh, holds up mm-hmm. well, you're not trying to do mayonnaise right. or lunch meats or anything. Right. So I, I think that holds up the best. The rest of us are trying to hold our stomachs in so we can have peanut butter and jelly on the beach. <laughs> Why? I've like, worked a whole week trying to eat clean, and then I go to the beach and eat a peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, but by the, time you, by the time you blow it you know out, what? you're right. You might as well just give just up. Just, you know what? Wait, what was have you a ham sandwich on the beach. Go for it. Why is a ham sandwich that much more healthy? <laughs> no. So, so once again, we go to the source, Huffington Post. Okay. Uh, the worst foods to bring to the beach, according to food safety experts, fresh produce. Uh, One expert says, I avoid bringing leafy greens because once you cut them, uh, they create an environment for bacteria. My mom used to make, she used to pack my lunch. She always put a slice of lettuce. It was like a mayonnaise and ham sandwich with a slice of lettuce. By the time I would eat lunch out of my warm lunchbox, you'd bite into it and the lettuce would just like flop down your chin. It's kind of a rite of passage, though. They also say uh, mayo-based salads, that uh, combining mayo with Mm -hmm. proteins, like an egg salad sandwich, it changes the compos- the competi- mm-hmm. composition of it, makes it less stable. My mother would always bring these ma- like potato salad to the beach, uh, egg salad, mm-hmm. something like that. But she had this like thirty minute rule that once it was out in the open, in the heat, in the you know, <laughs> like if you went to eat the potato salad, she'd literally slap it out of your hand. Thirty one minutes. So she tell you like, not to eat it? No, no. She just she wouldn't say. She was like a ninja. She was a mayo ninja. <laughs> You know, oh, wow. Like, like you literally have a fork. <laughs> <laughs> See? Because you go to barbecues and stuff is out all day long. Yeah. Or at least on it the, can go back in a fridge. At a barbecue? Well, back into well, your house. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if you're in your true. house. But if it's all sat right. out and it's starting to go bad, that's in yeah. the fridge is not a good idea. Yeah, that's true. Okay, here's one. All right. Uh, you get into the house. Shoes on or off? Off. Yeah. But I won't make people take them off if they come into my house. What? Really? If they show up, they'll see our shoes by the front door, and they, and they, sh- they would typically take them off. That's how I yeah. know when I go to your house that you don't do shoes in the house because there's a there's a shoe bin well, right there. Right. So then we take them off. But if but what if, if somebody, somebody doesn't, doesn't take, take them? like my dad comes over, he doesn't take his shoes off. Why not? I don't know, and I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just force ask him. him. You don't well, force him. Just say, hey no, dad, can just, you take your shoes off? Well, now he's watching. Know. Okay, so hey, Dad, yeah, exactly. take your shoes Next off time. and come over. Do you ask people? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And Do you? When we've had yeah. people come oh. in, like, to fix stuff, we have shoe covers if they don't. Okay, they've got work shoes. Well, yes. So, you know. it's my thing is, my, 
my dog walks outside barefoot. I don't. She can't take her shoes off. Take her so what's off. the difference? You know, but remember in cartoons, animals would literally take their fur coat and they were wearing underwear. I always loved that. <laughs> that whole idea. Although, you know, like like hot foghorn would like get blown up, and then you know, fortunately, I keep my feathers numbered for just such an emergency. And he was like completely naked except for a pair of shorts. See, but Donald Duck was the reverse. He wore oh, the shirt true. and no underwear. No, that's Daffy Duck. Oh no, you're right, Donald, Donald Duck. Duck. Yeah, Daffy but Duck Daisy, too. but no, Donald Duck. I mean, Daisy. Uh, Daffy didn't wear a shirt. He didn't wear any clothes. He didn't wear any clothes. That's right. He was free. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) How come Pluto didn't wear clothes, but yet Goofy did? Well, Goofy walked on two legs. That's right. And he had a house. He could drive. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what, if you love this banter, just listen to Off the the Rails on Tuesdays. Off the radio? Off the radio. (laughs) This is what they do for the whole radio show. And I'm just like this. (laughs) You've heard of Goofy, but I don't remember what he wore. Sure, he had that weird little hat. (laughs) He had a turtleneck, <laughs> pants, big shoes. I loved when he went skiing. You know what always what always was amazed yes. was that you know if you watched uh, Goof Troop, yeah, or anything, as one Goof, Goofy had a son, and it's like who married? Goofy? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know Goofy's wife. Yeah, well, she died. Or, you know, the artist was well, from that's like Kansas. a Disney thing. Well, all is the, he really? Yeah, all, all the, the spouses die. What? what? In a lot of Disney, why most, are we taking it? In turn? most Disney, there's only ever. Like like Donald's nephews, Louie, Dewey, and, and Huey. Yeah. But in the latest oh. edition of DuckTales, they disc- they find Ooh. the mom. Really? Yeah. Oh. The mom was a, like a, an archaeologist explorer. Hmm. The oh. new DuckTales is a little dark. The boys are a little scared when they watch it. Oh, that's really? good. Fear is a good thing. It is. Scare them early. Next topic. Have you ever heard of a hush trip? What is that? Okay. According to CNBC, more employees are taking vacations, hiding it from their bosses. That'll get you fired. So, so what they basically yeah. do, they can, they can if you know, work from home, they're working remote. Oh, they can oh. go on a trip. So a survey showed good. that one in 10 workers went on a hush trip. Twenty seven percent. They did so to avoid your personal time. off. So I'm so scared. And I was just about to say, I know someone who lost their job and I have two other friends who are in the tech industry. Well, now whatever device they have, they can tell where you are. Right. Hmm. So, so if just, you have a work device. Yes. Yeah, so just easy. There. It reminds me of Elaine and Seinfeld when she went to the baseball game. Oh my mm-hmm. God, and then was go. on the front on the cover of the, the right. newspaper. And yes. then her, Boss saw it in the yeah. sports section. Easy with that hush trip. <laughs> but if you could, I mean, we have to be here. Yeah. Would yes. you? Yes. No, I would. I can't. What I would. Mean? I would feel like I would get in so much trouble. Oh, you mean not tell them? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think our folks care. Like as long as you're here when you need to be. Yeah. Right. Living and let's face it, the last couple of weeks, you've gone, you've gone on these <laughs> great been, trips yeah. for the company. That was for work. Yeah, that was for true. work. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, speaking of vacations, up next, we are going to relive our trip to Sonoma County, California, where we found calm in nature. That was a fun one. Made yes. our own wine and took our Buddy Up series to Aww, new heights. Oh, I missed that. Too. I Another know. work trip. And there then later, go. the filmmaker on a movie mission. What inspired her to open her own theater? We'll be right back. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
learning engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. The holiday has us thinking of a getaway in one place we'd love to visit again, Sonoma County, California. We brought our show there a few months ago and had a chance to experience everything Sonoma has to offer. We got to visit the picturesque vineyards and we took our Buddy Up series literally to new heights. (laughs) We are here in Sonoma County, and this is the Bricolor Vineyards, one of one of 425 vineyards located wow. here in Sonoma County. I thought it might be nice. Maybe take a little stroll. Oh, Let's do it. Would you like nice. to do that? Yes, we would. Right. We headed to Bricolor's Olive Grove, where we met up with Jenny Harrow Keeler, a nature therapy guide. So our first activity is all about going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Come on in, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. You're going to talk to us about forced bathing today. Before you guys roll your eyes, this is actually a a wellness trend that dates back to the 80s in Japan, where it kind of connects meditation with nature, right? We don't have a forest. You could do it anywhere. Forest bathing comes from the Japanese word shinrin-yoku, which means to bathe in the forest atmosphere. So we're keeping our clothes on. There's no actual bathing. I was worried about about some of that mulch. Some of the benefits have been shown to reduce stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression. Yeah, we're going to start off with a a guided sensory awareness practice. What do I do with my hands, Jenny? (laughs) (laughs) Craig, eyes closed. Could we get a little little gong action? That was lovely. Thank you so much, Jenny. My pleasure. Well, guys, now that we've uh, detoxed, what do you say we, uh, we go... Retox. Everyone we meet, people say we're monkey. On to the winery barn, where we were joined by two of the members of Bricolar's winemaking team, Tom Pearson and Bob Cabral. I mean, we couldn't come to Sonoma without trying one of their best vineyards. We planned something special. Tom, Bob, come on in. These Hi, are guys. Thank Hi. You. Hi. Two of the wine experts here. All right. We are going to have a friendly winemaking competition. News nerds versus weather wizards. Who will make the tastiest blend? Probably a deeper red than you, mm-hmm. right? I like it kind of light. So maybe we use the Zen as the base. I don't mind this. You don't mind? Okay. Yeah. I like the little, like the little bite it's mm-hmm. giving. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a little sweet, but I like it. Very much like yourself. So you can okay. cap yeah. Erlenmeyer and swirl it around. What'd you guys go with over there? None of your business. No! <laughs> the real answer is I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yes. We feel great about our blend. I'm actually yeah. gonna cheers ours instead uh-huh. of a high five. Oh, <laughs> that's how confident we are. <laughs> I am gonna go with wine blend number two. That is our weather wizard. So thanks for joining the wine team here at Brickler. We thought we'd you know finish it off with a, our custom blend that we've made for you guys today. So oh, cheers, let's enjoy so it. So excited. Thank you guys so much for the hospitality. Cheers. And having done my research on all this part of the Golden State has to offer, I had a few tricks up my sleeve. Who's ever had that drink, that fabulous drink, a sidecar? 
I've what? never had sidecar. Never had sidecar. Well, guess what? You're going to have a sidecar. Yum. Right All right, here. Let's Over do here, let's okay. do it. I brought some friends. Oh, wow. Yay. I love it. Wow. a little surprise, so let's get our helmet. Wait, where do we guys. sit? Let's ride! Woohoo! We took a sidecar tour of the vineyard's grounds before arriving at our final destination, a hot air balloon. Melvin has always said, I'm full of hot air. That's so I decided, <laughs> I decided we we're going to harness some of that hot air. Woo! We saw all this from the ground today, but from above, it's just that much more beautiful. Postcard perfect. What a day we've had here. Uh, What's been the highlight? Just Spending time with you guys. Oh, that was really nice. Aww. I love, love you guys. guys. <laughs> oh, you well, you know what they say. What? Life opens up in Sonoma County, and this is about as open as it gets. Yeah, so we did our own blind taste test at dinner that night, and our production team agreed. Weather Wizards blend was better. <laughs> we also want to thank Up and Away Ballooning Rides by me, Classic Sidecar Tours, Sinorama, and of course, the folks over at Bricolor Vineyards for welcoming us. It was a I good time. Trip. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was one we'll remember. All right, just ahead, our series, The Upside, a filmmaker who opened her own theater with a special twist. What inspired her to bring a taste of movie magic to her old neighborhood. And then later, Dylan tries her hand at making a handbag. So is she ready to join the fashion world full time? Are you? I am. Okay. That's my favorite bag. The third hour of today will be back in just 60 seconds. It's your bag, baby. <laughs> We are back with our feature presentation in our series, The Upside. We recently visited a small cinema in Brooklyn that is creating true movie magic. It is the brainchild of a passionate, independent filmmaker who created a special place to celebrate artists and her community. It was the idea that you could tell a story and really impact someone's life. Emmeline Stewart has always understood the power of filmmaking. What do you remember about the first time when you went to the movies? Wow, it was Godzilla that we saw. And my parents didn't speak English. And I remember just being fascinated by just the visuals. Growing up in a Dominican family in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, she pursued a traditional career path, but never lost her love for the movies. I was doing real estate. And one of the investors said, my nephew wants to make a movie. Why don't you take a look? With no filmmaking experience, Emmeline relied on her business skills to produce her first short film in 2009. And then I thought, wait a minute. So I could do this for a lot of people if I could figure out how to make money. Mm. So she dedicated herself to lifting up underrepresented voices in media, producing 19 indie projects to date. What is it about these films that you wanted to invest? You're not really investing in the film, you're really investing in the filmmaker. And so I really wanted to give an opportunity to people to tell their stories. I think a lot of people, they see the movie on the big screen and they just think, okay, somebody made it, boom, now it's up on the big screen. Thousands and thousands of films are never seen, especially with minority-produced films. So was it a no for you that led to this theater right now? Absolutely. So I did a faith-based film, and I just couldn't get distribution for it. Mm. And I thought, so that's it? Like, one person somewhere gets to decide, and all of this work is for nothing? So you walked away from that no 
and did what? Somebody said, well, then you got to build your own theater. Emmeline did just that, opening Stewart Cinema and Cafe in September of 2018, becoming the first Black Latina to own a movie theater in New York City. So how do these independent filmmakers do it? What do you do? We rent out the theater. It's one price. And then you charge whatever you want. And you show the movie for as long as you think it could be sustained. And this is why we also have the studio movies, right? Because that adds pedigree to Mm -hmm. the theater. So you get the full range. Now your film that no one's ever heard of is playing at the same theater that Black Panther is playing. As for those classic snacks, her cafe goes beyond popcorn and candy. I saw empanadas out there. You had like a a movie with Coquito. Yes. (laughs) So my mom makes the empanadas. And a lot of our cakes and stuff are local vendors. And she's just getting started. Emmeline is building a new multiplex and is headed back to her neighborhood roots. I am building the theater in Sunset Park because that neighborhood hasn't had a theater in over 30 years. And as a kid, I remember having to get on the bus to go to another neighborhood a white neighborhood, to watch movies. While Emmeline spends her days showcasing new artists, the impact she's made on her community is her biggest hit yet. Do you think back to when you got that no? It's almost, it was a blessing in disguise that that person told you no. I'm so grateful for that guy (laughs) who said no. (laughs) Who said no. (laughs) Because otherwise I wouldn't have done it. And since we first brought you this story, the theater has expanded that empanada business, selling them frozen and offering them at local restaurants. That's great. Because they're that good. Wow. It's awesome. (laughs) All right, coming up next, a sneak peek of the brand new hip hop museum being built in the Bronx. And one of the pioneers, Grandmaster Flash, takes us down memory lane to when it all began. Then later, a different kind of fine print. Forget the paintbrush. See how one artist creates amazing works with hidden messages using a typewriter. We'll be right back. So cool. He's all keyed up. <laughs> this year marks 50 years since the founding of hip hop. What began with just two turntables and a microphone has evolved into a global phenomenon. Well, guess what? Soon there's going to be a shrine to hip hop in the place where it was born, the Bronx. Craig recently got a chance for a firsthand look. They are some of the biggest names in music. Run DMC. LL Cool J, Jay-Z, Missy Elliott, and many more. In the music universe, hip-hop shines so bright, it's hard to believe that it didn't even exist more than 50 years ago. Now, a new museum to hip-hop is being built where it was founded, in the Bronx, New York. Across the street from that site, in a temporary exhibit, we met up with early pioneer Grandmaster Flash. Was there a moment back in the 80s where you realized, oh, oh, this is, this is much bigger than I thought it was going to be. I think a moment for me is when I started seeing the movies like break it. And then I think for me, when my agents said, you're going to London, England, I'm not understanding what's happening. But then when I went to Germany, the same thing. Then when I went to Australia, same thing. In Japan, this whole thing just spread like an incredible musical virus around the whole planet. Helping the spread, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five dropping songs like The Message in 1982. Flash was an earlier innovator of DJing. His techniques of scratching, looping, and sampling are still used today. Why do you think it is that hip-hop, for, I mean, almost five decades now, has resonated with so many people? 
the music and the culture. If I were to give you a definitive perspective on that, I'll start with the track, Kick the Snare Melody Line. We use that from existing compositions. Then the icing to the cake, the rapper on top, what he's talking about. Hip-hop music born in the Bronx during difficult times in the 1970s. Young people at that time in that place would find a new method to have their voices heard. The story of that music will be told in the Universal Hip-Hop Museum when it opens next year. A 52,000-square-foot space featuring memorabilia, interactive exhibits, a restaurant, even a performance space. Rocky Bucano is the museum's executive director. You can just imagine what that's going to look like. Hip-hop is a living, breathing culture. Rocky says they're already getting visitors from around the world in the current exhibit space. Who does hip-hop belong to? It belongs to the people. It is a culture that is started by the community, from people that lived in the community, that still live in the community. And that's why it's so beautiful, because it is an open source culture that anyone can tap into and use it and make something magical out of it. That magic has become a multi-billion dollar business, influencing fashion, dance, movies, and art. And it all started in this little corner of New York City. How long did it take for you to realize that you were a founding father of something that had become so much bigger? A very long time. When we started touring is when I started seeing other people using the same theory and having a rapper in the front, and I'm like, I did that. That was me. It turned into big business. Never in my wildest dreams, man. Never in my wildest dreams. The museum is set to open next year. Guess what? They're building a tower full of affordable housing apartments right above it. So if you're in the area, admission to the temporary museum is free for the month of August. That's pretty cool. Hard to believe it's 50 years. My goodness. That's cool. All right, now to our series, Try This Today, where we go outside of our comfort zones and try something new. Well, I recently channeled my inner fashion designer when I learned how to make my very own pocketbook from start to finish. As the saying goes, behind every woman is a fabulous purse. And although we all have our own baggage. Is it Dylan Dreyer's wow. bag? Oh. I just had to try my hand at making handbags. This is Anthony Luciano's studio right here in Manhattan's Garment District. Anthony has been a leather craftsman and admired accessory designer for nearly 25 years. What is it about handbags that you like? I say handbags are a piece of art with a handle. Who have we seen carrying your bags? Meryl Streep has carried something at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Judith Light is a really great client. Today, he's putting me to work for one of his sip and stitch classes. So what kind of accessories will people make at a sip and stitch class? Usually we make a really simple little card case. Then we do a little simple crossbody wallet. For today, we're going to do something special. We're going to do this larger bag. Oh, nice. I need a new bag. Everybody needs a new bag. (laughs) Cheers to a sip and then you'll teach me how to stitch? Yes, cheers to that. I love love it. it. First, we picked out fabrics. So you're going to need to figure out what you'd like for the outside first. Okay. This is just like intriguing. And my grandmother is... was obsessed with roosters. Or do I go with something more practical, more everyday? That yeah. matches all my outfits, but that's not fun. Okay, but right. That's a little boring. 
<laughs> I'm going to steer you away from boring. Let's go wild. Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. What kind of material do you look for for the inside of a bag for longevity? I usually use suede. It does wear really well. So these are the colors you want. A pop of color. Yeah, I think so. Beautiful wine color. This is nice. It right. changes the whole it vibe. It changes the whole vibe. This is nice, nice too because it does pick up some of the greens mm -hmm. here. I think I, I kind of like this wine color. I like that too. Yeah. Next, we cut each fabric into a standard purse shape. Fortunately, Anthony has a stencil for that. Very nicely done with your finger placement along oh, the edge. Oh, thank you. I feel like I'm with my son. Like, stay in the lines. No. <laughs> Then we glue the inner suede to a filler layer that will give the purse shape and add the exterior leather on top of that. But you want to be even, so not too so much, not, not too much, and not too little okay. because you want you don't want any bubbles. Mm -hmm. Take a tool like this. Mm. Just so you that on my face in the morning. Right? It's great. I don't know what it does, but I like it. It feels good. <laughs> it feels good. When everything dries, we punch holes where the grommets and buttons will eventually go. Oh, that's easier than it. Yeah. Squeeze it in there if you can. Cool. And we edge paint so my project wouldn't fall apart at the seams. I'm pretty hot in here, so I'm gonna cool myself down. Soon, it was assembly time. So we're gonna fold these, line up all the holes. And then it just goes together just like that? No way. There you go. There you go. And then and just screw this thing up. up. Oh my gosh, yes. We added straps for a crossbody look, and I have to say, I nailed it. And voila, my very own one-of-a-kind original. Look at my bag. Oh my God, look how cute that is. Oh my is. gosh, it is so adorable. I love it so much. I also want to give you a little cherry on the cake. Ooh. And feel like no one should leave here without a tassel. This bag just keeps getting better, better and better. And better. And since our story first aired, bookings for the Sip and Stitch workshops have skyrocketed. They also do private events, team building events, birthdays, you name it. Anthony says they're even taking the workshop on the road. That's pretty cool. And can I just tell you, yeah. that bag goes with me everywhere. It's so cute. It's yeah. the perfect size. And if anybody compliments it, it's like, I made this. I made it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Up next, meet the man behind these amazing works of art, how he creates all of them using a typewriter and then later a holiday barbecue in today food how to whip up a super simple pot roast dinner mm. we'll be right back join hoda kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast making space for season five i am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. 
we make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Back now with our series, The Upside. And this one was memorable. We recently met a different type of artist who puts his own spin on some classic works of art and creates amazing originals as well. NBC's Kelly Cobiea has his story. It's an unmistakable sound from the past. The tap-tap-ding of a typewriter. For artist James Cook, it's the perfect palette and brush, using letters, numbers, and symbols to create intricate works of art. His London studio stacked high with his tools of the trade. Wow, look at all these typewriters! Which he says allow him to draw in a completely different way. The drawings work from two different perspectives, so when you stand back, you don't register it as as being a drawing that's been typewritten. It's only when you get really close that you see all these individual marks on the page. Cook first got the idea while researching a school project nine years ago. I was inspired by uh, an American artist from uh, sort of the 1920s. His name was Paul Smith. Paul Smith typed out his first work of art when he was just 11 years old on a machine a neighbor had thrown away. Smith had severe cerebral palsy, making it hard to move and speak. The typewriter gave him a voice, creating hundreds of works of art with a handful of keys. My jaw dropped when I saw his work. I thought, there's no way this is possible that you can make drawings with typewriters. And I thought, well, I, this, this, you know, I've got to have a go at this. Cook's first typewriter bought for about $20 from an elderly couple he met at an antique store. That was my first picture. Wow! So that's supposed to be a picture of the Woolworth building in Manhattan. He's created more than 300 works of art since and collected nearly 50 typewriters, most of them donated. This one with keys in Hebrew from a professor who commissioned a portrait. I don't want to make sure that I accidentally write anything rude because I had no <laughs> idea what the letters mean. The typewriters often telling their own stories. This face looks familiar. Yeah, yeah. This, this machine has, has come out of uh, Buckingham Palace. Donated by a former private secretary to the late Queen Elizabeth. Her job was writing thousands upon thousands of letters to dignitaries, presidents, you name it. And apparently her, her office used to be literally uh, one floor directly below the Queen's bedroom in Buckingham Palace. So, so it's quite cool to think that this machine has, for about 20 years, um, was, was you know below the Queen's bedroom. His work ranging from standard letter size to long landscapes, all with hidden messages, like the words Mona Lisa in the famous lady's robes, American Gothic stamped across the American Gothic sky, and in this landscape, this drawing is worth every penny. Yeah. <laughs> James says he taught himself through practice and never uses whiteout. It's got a charm to it if it's not quite precise, if it's not too perfect. The smaller pictures take a week to complete. The landscapes, up to two months. James almost makes it look easy. But as I found out, oh, that's awful. <laughs> There's a true art to this kind of typing. Ding. Cook's typewritten art now sells for hundreds of dollars. And among his most prized possessions, a portrait of the world's most famous typewriter collector, Tom Hanks, 
signed by the actor. You know, my jaw drops. I was like walking down the stairs and I see it sort of sitting at the bottom of the staircase, kind of like just come through the letterbox. Cook's motto, a picture worth a thousand words. In his world, thousands of characters make up one beautiful picture. Kelly, thanks so much. You know, James' work is actually earning international attention. As it should. Yeah, that's right. He recently opened up an exhibition of his art in Taiwan. Can we get some typewriters and try something? That's right. First find the typewriters. (laughs) Exactly. All right, still ahead, just in time for the holiday. Grilling help from an award-winning pitmaster. She's cooking up a winter classic in the summer, pot roast on the grill. We'll be right back. Today, millions of people are going to fire up their grills, but this morning in Today Food, we are not making burgers and hot dogs. Pitmaster and creator of the barbecue-themed digital series, The Pit Stop with Blue Smoke Blair, Erica Blairovi is showing us how to grill, making a pot roast dinner. Erica, take it away. Hi friends, welcome to my ranch. We are here whipping up an amazing cookout pot roast, which will be great for your 4th of July. So we're starting with our chuck roast. I'm just putting it onto a foil baking pan and just making it kind of easy so that I can actually put some seasoning on it. For this seasoning, it's actually gonna be really simple. I'm just gonna be putting a little bit of salt and pepper on this. You can't go wrong with a little bit of salt and pepper. And make sure you go up from high so you can really season everything without using too much all at one time. I'm also gonna take some of my onions and I chop these up into some big pieces. Feel free, you can dice these if you would like. It's however you wanna eat it, you do it. That's the beauty of a roast. And then I'm gonna take my favorite ingredient ever, garlic. And I just have some minced garlic and I'm gonna be putting that down. You can use cloves, you can keep it however you like. I'm gonna take a little bit of olive oil and just put that right on top so we can mix this in. So now all we wanna do is sear the meat on all sides, giving it that beautiful brown that we're gonna come to love later on today. I like to use a cast iron skillet. You can use a Dutch oven if you want, it's all up to you, or you can just use foil. There you go, and just a little, We're just gonna saute it a little bit, making sure that we brown every single side. So next, we're just gonna add our veggies. I have some carrots and some potatoes. Just dice them up, shred these, do however you wanna do for your bite-sized pieces. I'm just gonna add a little more salt and pepper to taste that suits my taste buds, so you do the same, or you can omit this. And now the fun part. Have some beef broth. You wanna make sure that your broth is at the same level as your veggies and your beef so that nothing gets dried out. At this point, what we're gonna do is just put either a lid onto your foil pan, your Dutch oven, and what this is doing right now is actually steaming the vegetables and making sure that they're tender as well as your bits of chuck roast that you have in there. So now if you're doing this on your grill, make sure that you have it at medium high. So you wanna be in the 300 degree range. It's been about two and a half hours. That's all we need right now for this recipe to make sure that everything is nice and tender. So now we're gonna take it out of our grill. Go. 
and now it's time to start shredding meat and making plates. <laughs> this is so beautiful and tender. When you cook it in chunks like this, it just makes it super easy to shred. Now it's time for the big reveal. Mmm. That's delicious. Mmm. Thank you so much for coming to my ranch. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Have a good one. Erica, thank you. Something different one. this yeah. morning. All right, for this recipe and more, head to today.com slash food. We'll be right back. Tomorrow on the third hour of today, we are jumping into our Start Today July workout plan. Hoda and Jenner are coming up next with a special surprise for an Army veteran. Have a great July 4th, everybody. Bye-bye and stay safe. Bye-bye.